Welcome to another Thoughts On. Uh, this week, uh, I guess I will comically say, is brought to you by Amazetta Vineyards, the Cabernet Franc, which is a pretty stunning stunning vintage. So if you get a chance and you're a wine snob, the 2018 Cab Franc from Amazetta, which is uh, some mountain fruit over in Napa, is fantastic. But today what we're going to talk about is recovery indicators. Last week, I talked about the seven different factors that go into writing the ideal program. And one of them at the end was their response to training. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to do so. But I think that the athlete's response to training and really going through and thinking of recovery indicators is kind of the, the, the thing that separates the, the elites from the, from, from the novice in, in, in training. And it's also, it's also that part of programming and coaching an athlete that is really um, the, the artist, the artistry of, of, of this, this profession that is sort of like a combination of science and art. Um, getting Writing the programs and, and, and having the training load at such a level that adequately challenges that athlete is, is really one of the major factors. The other one I think would be the exercise selection. So I think of it like this. I think of the exercise selection is the prescription. You know, what what do you need? And that is of course based on the sport requirements, which is one of the the seven factors that go into programming. So what are the sport requirements and based on that, based on the goals, you're going to have a prescription. But then the actual training load, which generally is just intensity times volume divided by time. You know, what are you asking them to do? How much are you asking them to do it? And how much rest are you actually giving them? And that's what I would consider the dose. You have the prescription and the dose. And, you know, this along with actual, you know, the exercise, sorry, excuse me, the exercise along with the actual training load, those are the two major factors that you're going to be calculating and, and trying to manipulate on a daily basis. So when I thought back to when I was a strength coach, I don't think that I did a, a fantastic job of really, of really doing this. So I wanted to sit down and think about you know, objective and subjective recovery indicators that, that coaches can use and, and definitely want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, the story that I always think about in my head is watching my my old head coach, Bill Gallagher, uh, who actually coached the distance team with this really great athlete named Nick Cortez, who was like, I think, a 211 marathoner, quite, quite a talented athlete, great guy. And I remember one day watching Coach Gallagher put these athletes, so he's got, you know, elite, you know, four sub four minute milers on there, uh, like a Nick Cortez, and then he's got you know, middle-of-the-road kids and even really, really slow kids that are just on the team participating. And he's watching them all do a threshold workout. So a threshold workout, just for those of you that don't know, is you have them actually running at a pace where they are aerobically clearing what they're lactically producing. And it's it's an incredibly intense workout. And athletes oftentimes can only do one or two miles at that pace. If they're in really good shape, they might be able to do four or five miles at that pace. But I remember watching Coach Gallagher. We were in a very, very small track, only 150 meters. Um, and I would watch him, and let's say that there's 10 athletes running. 
and they would get through the first mile or whatever, the first 800 meters, and he's just looking at all the athletes and just watching them. And every once in a while, he'll look at somebody and he'll be like, Brian, off the track, you're done. Like middle middle of the mile, like you know, maybe he's he might be six hundred meters into the workout. He might be sixteen hundred. He might be you know three and a half miles into the workout. But he's looking at every single one of them and pulling them at the point where he feels like they're done. Like they have met that threshold and they're done. That to me was literally watching you know art in motion right there. That is him. That is a what I would consider a fantastic coach digging in and assessing that athlete and 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 in the second in that millisecond pulling them off the track cuz he knew that you know another 100 meters another lap another mile even though they could probably do it wasn't what they needed so he was basically controlling the training load of that athlete in that moment it was awesome to watch and i think about that when when i'm watching coaches and they just sort of write stuff up on the wall okay here's the workout for the day and there's no thought on like how is this athlete um, responding? You know where are they at in their training? You know how how have they been handling that? Now that's difficult if you're in a group class setting like a CrossFit class or just sort of writing a program for everyone and no one. So the specificity is not really there, and, and I don't think it can be there. But if you want to train someone in a way that's going to maximize their performance, um, that's going to minimize their risk of injury, and it's going to continue. To gain importance, excuse me. To gain, um, uh, they're they're going to continue to improve over time. Like after that second year, you're going to have to be able to dial this in. So I've thought about a, a bunch of them, you know, on the the subjective side because I wasn't actually taking lots of objective numbers, um, not as much as I probably should have. So on the subjective side. You've really got the athlete's mood, posture, focus, drive, disposition towards training. That's something that you can kind of assess every day that they come in. Are they coming in with a good attitude? Are they not coming in with a good attitude? And it's not like you're going to make changes to their program you know, based on that every single day, but you need to be following the trends there because if you're seeing a consistent change – in the athlete's mood or their their motivation, you need to be thinking like, you know, either there's something external to what you're doing affecting them or the training is starting to beat them up. It's good Kev Frank, got to say. Uh, next is going to be sleep quality. Now, if you, of course, can measure this, we'll talk about that in a second, or you can just ask. And the, the, the simple way to, to do this is, you know, is the athlete's, waking up rested or does the alarm wake them up and they're groggy or when they wake up do they actually feel refreshed that's really all that matters you can take all kinds of crazy measurements that we'll talk about here in a second that i think have value but at the end of the day is the athlete getting woken up by their alarm and how refreshed do they feel you you should be kind of waking up before your alarm um, or if your alarm does wake you up, it's a very, very easy transition and you feel recovered, you feel revived, you feel fresh. Uh, the athlete's overall soreness, you know, just how, you know, are, do you expect them to be sore? Are they getting sore for many, many days after a training session? That's one you can look at. Um, the athlete's appetite, you know, this is that one's probably when they're getting deep into overtraining and you've missed a lot of cues at that point. But, you know, is the athlete actually losing appetite or are they actually gaining appetite? Um, if you're so comfortable to talk about it with your athletes, there's sex drive. You know, when you get it deep into overtraining, 
which anybody that's really tried to reach maximum physical potential, you are pushing that envelope for sure. Um, You really kind of got to find that line, to be honest with you, if you really want to do it. Um, But, you know, if your sex drive is dropping, so that's that's another big one, if you're comfortable enough to talk about that with your athletes. Uh, One easy one that you can be observing is the length of warm-up necessary to train. If you've got an athlete that's coming in, and I think that this is a, a comical attribute of CrossFit sometimes, is they have to come in and they have to work out for they have to warm up for forty-five minutes to do a twenty-minute workout. I mean, their their tissues are just really beat up. So if you've got a foam roll and you know get on the rower and move around and stretch and do a ROMWAD session, all just so that you can do some back squatting and some toes to bar, um, that's going to be really really tough. Um, the one thing that you can see is the rate of fatigue in their training. Now that's a little bit harder in when, if you're doing just traditional moving metal, but if you're actually, you know, coaching a cyclist or a runner or a swimmer, if you just see that they're just not able to handle the same workouts and they fatigue faster in there, that might be a good indicator. They're not handling training very well. Um, a broader one would be their expectation or sorry, the expected improvement to training. And this is just, you know, you would expect them to have been performing at this level six months, nine months in, and they're not. That might be a soft indicator that you've been over-programming for them the whole time. Um, the quality of the movement in their workouts. So that kind of ties in with the the rate of fatigue. If you're watching their movements and they're just not quite that good, uh, and there, there might have been a change over over the last couple of weeks. That's another indicator that you might have been overtraining them. Um, and then a good one that I used to do, we had the athlete's overall assessment or their status. I had this fantastically fun athlete. Uh, I coached um, you know, back in college or when I was in grad school, excuse me, uh, named Emily Hamlin. And she was this, this high-energy focused um, kind of intense, fun, long jump, uh, triple jump athlete. And I used to just ask her, like, well, how far could you jump today? And she would give me the answer. I can't, I can't remember. I think she was right at, like, almost a 20-foot, 19-and-change long jumper. And she might say, oh, man, I, I feel like I could jump 22 feet today. Okay, cool. That's the athlete's assessment of how their body feels, how fresh, recovered um, do they feel, how ready do they feel like they can perform. And that's a really, really great way to do it. You got a miler, hey, how fast could you run today? Oh, man, pff, I feel like I could just crush, you know, sub four-minute mile. So that's a, that's a really easy one that you could do to be asking the athletes every time they come in the door. So that was all of the, the, the soft or subjective measures. Some of those, they have to be way, way deep into, into overtraining um, for that to be you know, showing up, such as a, a re- reduction in sex drive or a drop in at, um, appetite or their sleep quality goes to shit. Something like that, those are going to be pretty deep. But the rest of those, some of those are pretty easy bits of information to get, you know, the overall assessment of the athlete, right? Now we get into the objective measures. And uh, admittedly, I am nowhere nearly up to par with all of the apps and and just technology and data that can be that can be absorbed. I personally um, I use a Garmin every time that I train, and so there's tons of data there. I have been, you know, obsessively using a Morpheus system for HRV and 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 morning resting heart rate and recovery and all that stuff, and and I love that. Um, and and the the data has been incredibly interesting, right? So there's some objective data that you can get that I think uh, definitely enhances the coach's ability to dial in 
the actual training load so that they can get better results from their athletes. So let me run through these real quick. Uh, the first one that I've been doing is your morning HRV. I know that that's heart rate variability. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, you're going to have small changes in, in the length between heartbeats. And you actually want there to be consistent and big fluctuations in those because that indicates that the autonomic nervous system is, is taking in all of the input from the millions of different sources in the body. So it's going to change those heart, the, the, the gaps between the heart rates. When you have a very, very low HRV, it's because their athlete or the, the patient or client or whoever is in probably in sympathetic overdrive, and that sympathetic nervous system sort of suppresses those inputs and just keeps that heart rate constant, right? So you want a higher HRV. That one is really going to tap in and catch some things. You know, as I sit here and enjoy my incredible cab franc, I can promise you that my HRV will be worse tomorrow. My resting heart rate will go up. And so that is a way that I might not notice that if you just ask me, hey, how you feeling? Or your sleep, you're like, oh, I, I fell asleep fine. But it has a big impact on it. So that's a, a really, really big one that you're going to see. Um, you also have morning body temperature. That's one that you can take. Um, average heart rate in a specific test. So this is one that I would really that I would do if you're if you're dealing with an athlete, like a metabolic athlete, like a CrossFit athlete, or even a distance runner. If you were to go through and have them do, let's say you know three repeat thousands at at ten thousand uh, meter pace. You know, so whatever their, their 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 pace is, or you could have them doing, you know, pulling a two k row, you know, at you know one forty pace or whatever it is. It's not it's not a max effort thing, but you could have them holding at that certain pace, and or, or really it could be a percentage of their their personal best to sort of keep the intensity the same as they improve. But if you if you have that and, and you go, oh, okay, I you know, I pulled a 2K row and I just was averaging 140 and I just I'm sorry, I just pulled 140 the whole time. And then I get done to the 2K row and my average heart rate ended up being, you know, 154. Well if I do the same thing and let's say that my 2K row PR hasn't changed and suddenly my my resting heart rate for that event was 166. Well, that's indicating that I'm definitely getting a little bit more beat up. So those tests that you could throw in there every couple weeks, because they're not max effort tests, they're not going to beat them up that much. You know, rowing a 2K, you know, at 145 or whatever for, you know, an athlete that let's say that they pull 127, that's not going to kill them. Like that's, you could literally do it as a warm up. You just got to start and stop their watch right when they're going through this so that you can get an average um, heart rate for that. That's another really good objective measure. Um, power output. This is really big, and I use this quite a bit when I was an athlete myself. So there's three ways that I can measure this. You can, of course, test the vertical. The vertical is really cool, but it doesn't change that much. You can also use uh, an overhead backwards throw is what I used to use as a thrower. So for those of you that don't know, I was a hammer thrower um, in track and field, and that's a like an explosive sport. The overhead backwards is when you take a shot put, which is essentially a heavy steel ball. You you kind of squat down and then you throw it up and backwards as far as you can off the end of a, it's called a toe board, but the thing at the end of a shot put ring. That measuring that distance is going to tell you how, like the status of your nervous system. 
and I used to do this three throws with the same ball, and I would use a different ball um, in a in a in a three to five week program. But I would just use three throws, you know, after my warm up and everything, just like, hey, where am I at? Let's say that I'm I'm throwing a 16 pound ball and it's going 55 feet, right? Which is terrible, by the way, but um, you know, one of my better throws. So 55 feet, I throw that and I come out one day and let's say I just I'm trying the next day and I, and I throw 46. 46, you know, 47-2, and 45-1. I know immediately, even if I feel fine, I have no soreness. I feel like I can move well. I'm not stiff. I know that my nervous system is not ready to perform. So I'm going to change the standards of that day based on that. Another way that you can measure this, it's fantastic, uh, and I know that there's many, many companies out there that are doing this. The, the one I have experience with is a Tendo system. And that's going to monitor bar speed velocity. So I know the newer ones are getting average bar speed velocity and peak bar speed velocity. You could do something really, really simple, like either you sort of put a belt on them and you have them do a vertical jump with the, the little rope attached to the belt so you can see what kind of velocity can they get their center of mass. You can attach it to a barbell and have them just do like 60 kilo snatches for a set of three, you know, three sets of three, just to sort of see where they're at that's going to give you a very, very good indicator of where their nervous system is, if it's ready to go or if it's not. Of course, nervous system status is, is going to be important, more important for something like a thrower, an Olympic weightlifter, maybe a CrossFitter than it is going to be for you know, an Olympic rower or a, an ultramarathon athlete. Um, then the last one that I guess you can count, but it, so it's objective-ish, but it could fall into the subjective one, and that's going to be the number of subclinical nagging injuries. I see this clinically all the time. Somebody comes in, and you know, I'm, I'm treating them, and like, oh yeah, it's my right elbow's bugging me, but you know, I'm getting a little bit of my left shoulder, and man, my uh, my left hip's been killing me, and my, my right Achilles. It's just like, yeesh. All right, well, I could go through and, and do a full exam on each of those areas and try to figure out, you know, what are the, the causative factors and, and yada yada yada. But really, it's just like, man, that that's a lot going on. I feel like you just kind of need to rest up a little bit. And so that that's one that, yeah, you can technically count, but I think that could kind of fall into either the subjective measures or the objective measures. So the objective ones, the and, and I guess a little bit the subjective ones, but the, the temptation with the objective measures is to sort of make immediate changes to the program based on those. And I know that this is sold a lot, with the HRV thing, although I'm not hearing that from the Morpheus team. Um, but I know that it's sold a lot. Like, you know, you'll get up and, and your, your app will tell you, oh, you're ready to train intensely today or you're not ready to train intensely today. I, I find that just objectively silly. Um, you can't really train like that. You can't depend so much on the actual data that, you know, that, that you've gotten on there. Um, but you can use it as an indicator. So if you're if you see a trend in your HRV over time, like man, I can't get my HRV. Let's say that your HRV, you know, your average HRV over a, a four month period was like a hundred, and then suddenly you're seeing this drop, and now you can't get it over ninety, even if you take a day off or two, or you know you're cutting alcohol out or what you're doing all the things that you need to do, and you still can't get it up. 
That I just said that. I said you can't get it up. I didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean. So if you can't get your, your heart rate variability back up, then that's going to tell you that, that that trend is going to tell you that you have to be careful there. So I, I think that the recovery indicators, uh, I, was, I wanted to go through these in hopes of, of getting you guys to think about these a little bit more so that you can actually be a little bit more deliberate in your assessment of how the athlete is handling training so that you can better prescribe the dose, right? So we have the prescription is the exercise selection that you're going through, back squats, lunges, running, whatever the case may be. But the dose is the intensity and the volume, right? And how much rest time are you doing? I think that that is really the difference between the greats and the not so greats. So we went through some subjective measures today. We went through some objective measures today. I think that the better coaches out there, um, at least that aren't doing mainly group class stuff, you know, if you're in a group class scenario, I think that's going to be pretty challenging and you're probably going to have to depend mainly on the subjective measures. But if you're trying to maximize a client's ability, if you're trying to reach you know, um, maximum physical potential, whether it's in sport or life, I really think that you're going to have to be factoring these. You're going to have to be considering them in the athlete's overall training program. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, this is definitely something that I'll continue to kind of noodle on. I think this is really, really important. And I think that the exercise prescription or selection, aka the prescription and the the getting the proper training load down are are two of the most important things for a fantastic program. So give those a give those a thought. Uh, let me know what you think, and uh, I will see you next time.